Good evening. You want to get out your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 is where the lesson will be coming from this evening. Uh, it's good to see you here this evening. I hope everyone's had a good afternoon. Uh, I'm looking forward to sharing with you my study of God's Word. I hope it's beneficial to you. I hope that uh, you find as much encouragement from it and as much edification from it as I have. Uh, the, the parables are what we've been talking about last week, or a couple weeks ago. We looked at Luke 16 and we saw a parable of the rich man and Lazarus and saw self-justification being talked about in the context of the rich man and Lazarus. So there was all this backstory leading up to the rich man and Lazarus that really helped shed light for us on what Jesus was saying as he's trying to reveal that parable. Well, we're going to be looking at a parable tonight that doesn't really have an in-depth backstory. It's one verse, okay? So we're going to start off by reading that verse. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 9, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And that's, that's essentially the basis for the parable that we're going to be studying about tonight. So... They trusted in themselves that they were righteous, is, is the context. It's what Jesus uses to launch into this parable, this understanding of those who are around Him who seem to be His disciples have trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Have you ever been accused of self-righteousness? Has anyone ever called you self-righteous or holier than thou? Uh, have you ever heard those kind of phrases or those kind of ideas before? Uh, I have. Uh, in fact, it was true. Uh, looking back on it, uh, I realized as I heard those things that it was the truth. I was self-righteous, though at the time I didn't even know what self-righteousness was. Uh, it kind of sounded good. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. I'm righteous. That's, thank you. That's a compliment, you know. But that's not at all what's intended here. Jesus tells them this parable because He sees that they are self-righteous. They are trusting in themselves that they are righteous. Well, what does this mean? That's going to be what we see as we look at this parable. We're going to help. It's going to help us to see what it means to be self-righteous, and we're going to find out it's not a good thing. Uh, it's going to be something that we want to avoid. And how can we avoid being this way? So, if someone has said this about you, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But we need to evaluate ourselves to see if it is true that we are not doing this because Jesus obviously has to tell His disciples a parable about self-righteousness to help them understand. So the parable goes like this. Read with me in verse 10. We'll just read the start of it. Two men went up to, into the temple to pray. So it starts off with a, setting the scene. Two men are coming up into the temple to pray and then it zones in on the first one. One man, uh, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prays thus to God. I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I have. So this Pharisee comes into the temple and he draws near to the, to the temple and he says this prayer. And, and the first thing I want us to notice is that this isn't bad. As we look at it and we, we consider, don't immediately jump in to think, this guy's awful. You know, this is a horrible Pharisee. We've just seen in the past chapters, they don't listen to Jesus. They're awful people, right? They're lovers of money. They're justifying themselves. Ignore all that and look at this parable. This guy's doing okay. He's, he's coming to the temple to pray. And whenever he comes to the temple to pray, listen to what he says. God, I thank you that I am not like these other men. He's giving God thanks and he's giving God the credit. God, it's because of you that I have become the person that I am. Without you... I would be nothing. Without you, I would be a a guilty sinner. Without you, I would be immoral and evil and unjust, like an adulterer, an extortioner. Without you, I might even be like this tax collector over here. You are the reason why I am who I am. You are the one who has helped me to be who I am today. And because I believe that, I am serving you diligently. Notice how he talks about his service to God. He is a diligent servant of God. He is giving tithes of everything he is given. Everything he gets, he gives tithes. And he fasts twice a week. Would we give and fast like this guy? Somebody... uh, buys our lunch, are we going to tithe off of that and think, okay, that was $7, so 10% is about this much, I'm going to give that to God. Everything. He's that way. He's diligent. He's tithing mint and cumin and, and everything. Everything that he can tithe. He's setting it aside for God to be sure that he gives God what is due. Not only that, but he's fasting twice a week. Anybody here fasting twice a week? <laughs> Ooh, food. (laughs) Ouch. Okay. He's doing that in service to God. Because he believes that this is what God desires out of him. This is what makes him pleasing to God. By tithing and by fasting like this, he is pleasing to God. Don't we like him? Think about this for a second. If this guy walks in the church building... Are we not happy to have Him? I mean, He's diligent. He's giving thanks to God. He's giving credit to God. He's, he's serving God. He's collect, giving to the collection like He's supposed to. He's, he's sacrificing Himself to serve God. This is a good guy who we would love to have come and join us. This is the kind of guy that we might think, I wish I was more like him. We might respect people and look up to people who are doing great things and great works in service to God. And that's what this guy appears to be doing. He seems like he's doing good things in service to God. In fact, notice what he doesn't say in his prayer. 
He doesn't say, God, why are you making this life like this? Why haven't you brought out the Ro- taken out the Romans? Why haven't you done all these things to, to serve me better? He's not complaining to God at all. I mean, that's an ideal church member right there. That's a good person to have. That's a good example for everyone to follow. And then the story continues. Verse 13. But the tax collector, the tax collector is the second man that's coming to the temple to pray. The tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The tax collector is the traitor. The tax collector is this grossly immoral man, a man who is truly a lover of money, a man who has misused and abused his authority to take advantage of others who are vulnerable to serve himself, to build up his own wealth. He is a traitor from his own community, his own kinsmen. And he's taking advantage of all those things and indulging in all of those things for himself. And this guy doesn't come close to the temple. He's not drawing near to the temple because he knows he's not accepted. He's not wanted there. And he's not lifting up his eyes and he's not talking about the wonderful works that he's done for God. And he's not mentioning anything that is great about himself at all or that he has changed in his life to serve God. There's none of that mentioned. The only thing he says is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he beats his breast. You get the sense of, of just remorse coming over him. He beats his breast and he begs God to just forgive me. Now, if you're there and you're witnessing all this happen, you're seeing this perfect church member up here and you're like, man, i got to be more like him. And you're seeing this tax collector over here and you're seeing the way that he is acting and you're like, yeah, right. Come on, dude. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Okay? Do something that shows that you really want to be a servant of God. Be more like this Pharisee and and do the good works and, and take your money and give it. And even then, really, I don't know. I mean, you've done some awful things. If we're there in the audience, that's probably the sense of of it. But then Jesus reveals to us in verse 14, God's perspective on this whole scene that's taking place just outside the temple. Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you, this man, talking about the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. When we read this, it's fascinating. The first first phrase, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. That phrase gives us such hope, doesn't it? God's going to be merciful to this tax collector? Wow! Man, we serve an awesome, a compassionate, a merciful God that He would be willing to forgive this guy. He hasn't done anything for God. He's just begging for mercy. Man, God is so great. I'm so glad we serve a God who is so merciful and so compassionate. If He's willing to forgive this guy, man, that Pharisee is probably going to have the biggest mansion in heaven. 
because of all that he's doing for God at this point. God's wanting to bless abundantly, apparently. But that's before the comma. Because right after the comma, he says something that's very confusing to us. Rather than the other. The tax collector goes to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. That means that the Pharisee is condemned. This awesome God, this religious God who has served God and given God the credit for his life and thanked God, Jesus says he's condemned. Well, isn't that odd? Why would he be condemned? Well, the answer is here for us in the text. You remember verse 9, he started out, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. This Pharisee trusts in himself that he is righteous. Verse 14, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's interesting that Jesus reveals to us that this Pharisee stands condemned before God, even though he thanks God, even though he gives credit to God, even though he serves God, because God knows what's inside of him. He knows that inside of this Pharisee is the idea that he is righteous in and of himself. And the idea that he is exalted above others. But the truth is that he's a sinner just like anybody else. He thinks he's righteous. He thinks he's good. He thinks he's, he's become this pinnacle. But the truth is he's, he's a sinner just like everyone else. Well, what's the message for us? What can we learn from this parable? Well, obviously, we can learn a lot from this parable, but let's boil it down to two things. As we read through this and we study through this, we see two real messages for us that we need to get ingrained in our minds. The first thing is, we can be self-righteous very easily by looking at other people. We become self-righteous when we start to look outside of ourselves at those around us. Notice how the disciples did it. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Then notice how the Pharisees did it. They say, thank you God for not making me like this tax collector over here. Hidden in this text is the contempt for others and the comparison that's being made between himself and those around him to make himself feel good. Anybody here ever compared yourself with someone else? That makes you feel pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, it does. It, uh, we feel as though we have to do this. We have to compare ourselves with other people. Because if we don't, then we'll be feeling as though, you know, we're not that great. And we need that feeling of exaltation. And, and how do we get that feeling of exaltation? How do we feel better about ourselves? But by looking at those around us who are not doing what we're doing, 
and thinking, I'm doing better than that guy. We hear other people who are condemning those around us, right? They're treating others with contempt. And we start thinking, yeah, that's pretty true. That guy's pretty bad. And we might even jump in on it and talk about the bad things we know about so-and-so and the things that they've done. Notice how this Pharisee even made it sound like he was praising God as he's saying these things. God, I praise you that I'm not like him. <laughs> you know, just a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm talking to people and, and telling them, you know, I feel really blessed by God. I feel like God has blessed me. I feel like it's God's providential working and God's blessing in my life that I was able to get away from all the drugs and all the alcohol and all the sex that was going on all around me as I went through high school and and even junior high. All this stuff is going on all around me and I see it happening and I just thank God that I didn't get wrapped up in that mess. Because I could have done it. It would have been very easy for me to do. I had opportunities given to me to do these things. And I, I feel as though it's only by the grace of God that I was able to avoid falling into those sins. And this is how the, the Pharisee felt. Well, what's the problem? Is there really a problem with thanking God and giving Him the credit for helping us along in life? Well, there's no real problem with doing that. But the problem comes when we start to to look at people who have fallen to those sins and we start to think, well, I'm glad I'm better than that person. You know, it's not just, I'm glad my life isn't such a struggle like I know those people are going through right now. But it's more so, I'm glad I'm better than that guy. We're walking a fine line between gratitude for what God has given us and contempt for what those around us have fallen short of. And that makes us self-righteous if we go that route if we have contempt for those who have fallen, when we just as easily could have fallen down that exact same path. And in fact, being better than others doesn't clear us of our own sin. So as we go out and we look at everybody around us who is so wrapped up in sin and doing so many things wrong, and we think about how much better we are than those around us, we need to realize That doesn't clear us of our sin. In fact, if we have pride over those around us like this Pharisee, we're guilty. We're condemned. We are self-righteous. We need to learn that whenever we look out at others who who are doing evil around us, that we could be doing those very same things. And we, we, we are doing different sins that we are guilty of and we need God's forgiveness and grace for those sins. So we need to be careful when we look out at others. But we also need to be careful when we look at ourselves. 
We can be self-righteous when we think about what we are doing and how, how much we have accomplished in our lives. We might think, well, I'm good enough because I've gotten rid of all these sins in my life. I have grown so much throughout the course of my conversion and my life in Christ. And we can think, I am good enough, I have accomplished a lot of things in my life. Look at how much I've done for God. I love God. I may not be fasting twice a week, (laughs) but look at what I am doing. Look at how much time I am spending serving God and, and trying to please God. But our accomplishments don't make us righteous. The Pharisee thought that all these accomplishments that he had done meant something to God. But at the end of the story, Jesus just says, he doesn't go to his house justified. All that work he's putting in, everything that he thinks he has from God, all those blessings, all that greatness, did not make him righteous. In fact, he went home condemned. Because he felt pride in his own accomplishments. We have to be careful when we look at other people and we have to be careful when we look at ourselves because self-righteousness is an easy thing to fall into. We can all do this all the time. We can become a self-righteous people who think that our good works and our righteousness that we're striving after in obedience to God's Word can somehow account for our sins or make up for our sins or make us somehow so righteous that God would obviously accept us into heaven. When we get into heaven, we can lay before God, I was good, I I did not do these sins, I stopped doing these sins, I went to church, I did all these things, and I, I obeyed the Bible and I did everything like you said, so let me in. And he can say no. It's not good enough. If it was good enough, he wouldn't have had to send Jesus. It's not good enough. So what what can we do? If, If all these good things that we can do don't make us righteous and don't help us to become the, the, the people who God thinks is, wow, they're the greatest ever to have lived. What can we do? How can we avoid ever becoming self-righteous? Because obviously that doesn't help us at all in our, our striving to please God and to be with God for all eternity. Well, first of all, We need to recognize that God, Jesus, knows what He's doing whenever He brings up the Pharisee. His disciples are sitting there, they're trusting in themselves, and He says, look at this Pharisee. They know the Pharisees. The Pharisees have been talked about previously throughout these chapters. They are the guys who have been rejecting Jesus. They are the guys who have heard sermon after sermon and, and teaching after teaching from Jesus and said, yeah, right, we don't care. None of, it, none of it's true. We don't believe it. They ridiculed Him. He uses this Pharisee to help them to see they're being like Him. And we are being like the Pharisees. 
when we become self-righteous and have a hard heart that doesn't listen to the teachings of God like this Pharisee. The Pharisee has the sin of pride inside of him. It's been, it's been repeated throughout the Scriptures, throughout Luke. Luke, we've seen that. He's exalting himself. And what we need to do is let God remove the heart of stone that, that resists against God and says, I am good, I am righteous. We have to stop acting like the Pharisees who don't listen and we have to open up our eyes, open up our minds, stop being completely blind to the sins that, are, that we're committing in our lives. We have to stop hiding them under the rug as though they don't exist because we're doing all these other things good and right. We have to go to the Scriptures and we have to see where we're messing up. And we have to let those things be exposed. If we want to to avoid being self-righteous, we have to approach sermons. We have to approach Bible study saying, God, what do I need need to fix today? How How am I messing up today? When we look at a text, we have to think, how does this apply to my life? And what is it that I'm doing that's so wrong? As we look at this text... How am I self-righteous? Man, I'm self-righteous. Man, I'm messing up. I've got to change this. I've got to, I've got to have a different perspective. I need to open up myself to listen to the truth that I am a sinner, that I am guilty, that my accomplishments are not enough to make me righteous, I can't pat myself on the back and say, man, you're doing such a great job. The truth is... Whatever good I do, I'm still an unworthy servant of God. I have to hear that message and I have to take it to heart. And it has to sink in and become and change who I am. And the second thing that we can do is have a broken heart for our sins. This is the primary message of the parable. Listen to the words of the tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is it. This is what it's all about. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is what Jesus came to this earth to reveal to us. This is who we are. We fall short, it's what we do. We need mercy. Every day for our sins. And all of our efforts to clean up our messes will never remove the sins that are in our lives. There's only one thing that can remove that sin. And that's the blood of Jesus. That's it. There's nothing else. Nothing else that I can do to atone for my sins but rely on Jesus' sacrifice. This is the foundational concept that Jesus discusses in the text. Despite all of our righteous deeds, despite all of the good works that we do, that we're commanded to do, that we ought to do in service to God, I'm nothing without Jesus. They're nothing but filthy rags. But Jesus is able to purify us. Jesus is able to provide that forgiveness that we need. 
He's able to make it to where we leave this place justified. We know that our Redeemer lives for us. And He provides forgiveness of our sins. We can't forget that. This is a message that we need to take with us every single day for the rest of our lives. Do you believe it? Are you trusting in yourselves for righteousness? Is this what you're doing? Is this how you're living your life? I've done it before. I've, I've trusted in myself. I've tried to figure out, okay, I've got to do this, 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 and this, and then I'll be a righteous person. I'll be good. God will surely let me into heaven. Everything's good. We see the, the Bible as a rule book. We keep these rules. We're good. But that's not it. Because there's other rules in there we're missing. And the fact is, we're not keeping those we think we're keeping as well as we think. We rely on His mercy. We rely on His grace. We obey the Word. We do what we can to serve God faithfully. But in the end, whether or not we go home justified is dependent on God's mercy toward us. Let us be people who rely on God's grace and rely on God's mercy and don't exalt ourselves above those around us and don't treat others with contempt, but show a genuine love and a compassion for those around us who need God's mercy just as much as we do. Is there somebody here who needs God's mercy right now? We're about to sing a song of encouragement for you to help you to to be encouraged to come forward, to know that you can confess whatever it is that you've done wrong. If you need the prayers of those here to overcome those sins, we will pray for you. There is no sin too great that it can't be forgiven. God proved that by forgiving those who murdered His own Son. But we can't trust in our own righteousness. We must trust in the grace of God. Are you doing that? Do you need to make a change to do that? If you do, please come as we stand and as we sing.